0: BeatGrid is the global leader in cross-channel campaign measurement. Over the last three years, BeatGrid has measured over 400 campaigns and half a billion dollars of media spend in Australia, the US, UK, Germany and India. BeatGrid helps marketers understand campaign performance metrics with the goal of leading them to immediate ad ROI optimization. Find out more at BeatGrid.co Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week
1: in media and marketing. Exit Lounge. Lisa Wilkinson leaves the project. The Australian and Crikey's editors step back. Arrivals Lounge. Elon Musk reinstates Donald Trump and Kanye to Twitter. And how many people are actually reading newspapers? Um. It's Monday, November twenty-one. I'm A Beauty, and good morning, Tim Burrows.
0: Good morning, Abe. We're both back in Tasmania again, and we we both had interstate adventures. How was your Sydney trip?
1: It was a great trip. Always, uh, always enjoy getting to Sydney and seeing clients. Uh, certainly nice to get back home, though. You know, there's nothing like home, is there, Tim?
0: There is, particularly when home is the lush green hills of Tasmania.
1: How was your weekend?
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. So recovering from my interstate trip, as you know, we ran the um, uh, first unmade event in Melbourne. We had a really great panel and we'll be uh, sharing uh, some audio from that later in the week. Uh, But uh, I guess we're we're looking forward now. Where should we start
1: this week? Well, as, as we mentioned, there are a lot of departures to talk about today. Let's start with Lisa Wilkinson. I have decided that it's time to reprioritise a few things in my life. And after almost 15 years of the early alarm of Breakfast TV and now another five years here at the project desk, I'm looking at how I want the coming years to play out, both professionally and personally. So from tonight, I'm stepping back from hosting the show. So what happened last night, Tim? Yeah, so that announcement we
0: just heard, or part of that announcement, came from Lisa Wilkinson on the project. Um, Sunday night is her main night of uh, presenting, um, the big night of the week. Uh, Lisa Wilkinson has been with the project for about five years now, since her somewhat acrimonious departure from today, where, um, you know, she had for years. Um, Co-hosted with Carl Stefanovic, um, so uh, the 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 tone of the announcement last night was that um, certainly, without quite saying it, she gave the impression that she had jumped rather than not having her contract renewed. Um, something which historically has been the case, though that was the same with today was. It sometimes turns out later that there is a bit of contention with Lisa Wilkinson on um, whether she jumps or whether she's pushed because that, you know, that was sort of how things ended with today when she couldn't get there on the pay rise that she wanted. Um, But recent recent months the last six months, maybe the last year, things had been particularly kind of negative around her. There were two things. There was a trial, and I'm just going to be super careful. I think people might know the trial I'm talking about, but some comments she made after winning a journalism award, uh, a Walkley award, um, uh, led to a delay in that trial, um, which, created some negative perceptions and then a little bit before that um probably about a year ago now her book her memoir came out and again uh, there, there 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 was quite a lot of negativity about it as as not everyone's recollections of events matched hers about her various times in various parts of the media so um so yeah so she became a slightly polarizing figure um and, um, you know, it's, it was one of those things. It's I'm not sure it was particularly good for the ratings.
1: So what's next for the project then?
0: Yeah, that is a tricky one. Um, the reason that the announcement has come at this point is we are now, um, as we speak on Monday, within the last few days of the official ratings year because we have this kind of slightly weird system where, Oztam suggests there are forty weeks of the ratings year, so um, Saturday nights coming will be the end of this ratings year. So it's usually when the main shows begin to go off air, the main presenters begin to wind up for the year. Um, you know, as the the networks don't battle quite so hard. So that 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 was the timing of this because we're in we are in you know what what. Um, would have been the last few days. So, you know, this was the last Sunday um, kind of in the normal ratings year, which is why she said she was stepping down immediately. Um, but we've also got Carrie Bickmore going as well. And She was with the project right from the beginning. So that is a much bigger hole. Um, you know, project is, you know, rates pretty well for 10 it's a really solid mainstay of the schedule and that's the key thing is so much about television scheduling is about habit and building habits so the project is going to really you know need to think again now about what it does for it's on air talent um because it's going to need um at least one if not two uh big voices now
1: Yeah, so Lisa's not the only surprise departure, a bit more, a bit of movement at The Australian and and more today on the exit of The Australian's Editor-in-Chief, Chris Dorr.
0: Yeah, so this one broke last week and it broke quite quickly. Um, Now, people quickly began to notice that um, in the tone of how News Corp, announced Chris Dore's departure as editor-in-chief. It was very different from his predecessor, Chris Mitchell, who who basically left to a ticker tape parade, uh, whereas it was a lot more understated with Chris Dore. He sort of suggested maybe it was for health reasons. Um, there's some reporting in the Sydney Morning Herald and across the nine uh, newspapers group, so you'll read about it in The Age, etc. cetera, from um, Zoe Samios. Um, First couple of paragraphs of which um, the editor-in-chief of News Corp's national masthead, the Australian left his position at the company after making lewd comments towards a woman at an event in California last month. Now the, the Sydney Morning Herald reports that this event was organised by the Wall Street Journal, which is part of the News Corp group. Um, uh, the sources said Dor had been drinking when he made the comments, which one person close to him described as inappropriate. So it's worth saying, you know, that that's an allegation being reported in the Sydney Morning Herald um, and the Age. We certainly don't suggest it's true or not because we don't know, um, but certainly the timings and the the way that the exit was handled um,
1: suggests uh, that it wasn't in the normal course of events and Chris Dorr is not the only editor stepping back some movement at crikey
0: yeah that's right and this is um uh, surprising as well so we, we you know we, we we had this year's Walkley Awards last week which is the you know the the top award in journalism. Um, there was there was some controversy. This was on Thursday night. So um, Crikey, um, owned by private media, they had a table at the event. And the editor of Crikey is Peter Frey, former editor-in-chief of the Sydney Morning Herald, as it happens. And uh, during um, uh, a winner announcement picked up by some ABC journalists, he began to shout, what about Crikey? And then later, I guess when he got home or back to his hotel, probably home because I think he lives in Sydney, um, it put up a couple of kind of angry tweets, including, dear ABC, you are a fraud, which were later deleted um, the, 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 the next day. Um, now... Again, this is one of those stories which has been very carefully written, um, uh, again by Zoe Samuels actually. Um, The editor in chief of independent publication Crikey will take leave from his position and seek assistance for his behaviour. After heckling the winners of the Top Gong, Australia's most coveted journalism awards, so it's worth making the point that well, we were talking about Chris um, Chris Daw stepping down altogether. Um, Peter Frey is taking leave now. I suspect one of the reasons why this one is so sensitive at the moment is because there's a legal battle going on between Crikey Private Media. And Lachlan Murdoch, who um, is um, obviously a member of the Murdoch family. And that's over uh, a particular article written by Crikey about the insurrection in the US and Fox News' part in it, and then joining the dots to Lachlan Murdoch, which is a subject of uh, defamation proceedings. So it's bad timing for this to have blown up. So it's understandable why um, private media and, and, and Peter Frey have handled it in that way. Next,
1: Elon brings back Trump. Unmade. Um, so it's four weeks in and Elon Musk's ownership of Twitter is still wild. Tim, two questions. Are you hardcore? And what's the latest?
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, each time you think, okay, it's going to calm down now. And then there are wild events and you kind of think, God, that must've been weeks ago. And then you realize it was just the last few days. So I suppose two of the most fascinating things since we last spoke, one of which was this bizarre email from Elon Musk to all staff, basically saying, things are going to be extremely hardcore. um, So only if you're willing to You know, joining the dotted lines, really, it was work crazy hours and give up any semblance of a life. Can you stay at this organization? Please click on this spreadsheet. Yes, if you are. So that was a a deadline which expired um, just before the weekend, which created this weird kind of Friday evening end of term feel where i think everybody began to feel or suggest and i say everybody i mean twitter users that the site could go down at any moment because so many engineers had been departed so there, there there was this sort of nostalgia fest um and then you know of course some people stayed some people didn't we don't exactly know the numbers yet so that that you know what a strange way to manage people
1: you know what a completely old way to motivate i just can't see how that's even legal i mean saying right you'll be needing to work hardcore hours long term i mean i can't imagine suggesting that to my staff maybe it's different employment law but that is it's just beggars belief do you know i think that's exactly it i think you're right it's employment law
0: in the u.s now of course as far as i can tell most of the australian staff have been let go anyway um so you know but there are there are of stuff around the world that they haven't taken this into account of so that's so, so 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 that's i guess half of it and then the other half of it is um just the strange developments which i think signals that musk has given up on advertising as the viable path he's driven away the advertisers so much so Uh, Not even four weeks ago, he tweeted that Twitter will be forming a content moderation council with widely diverse viewpoints. No major content decisions or account reinstatements will happen before that council convenes. Now, I'm pretty sure that council hasn't been formed or convened yet. Yet there was a bit of a switch over the weekend. Um, First, he ran a poll on whether to reinstate Donald Trump, who had been removed from Twitter because he was seen as a danger to American democracy because of the way he used Twitter to incite the insurrection at the Capitol um, back at the time when uh, President Biden uh, won the election. Um, Well, forget about the council. Musk then tweeted last night, the people have spoken. Trump will be reinstated. Vox Populi, Vox Dei. Um And there's just been a string of awful people returned to Twitter. So Jordan Peterson, who'd been removed, he posted uh, the meme of Jack Nicholson bursting through the door in The Shining with, I'm back. Um, Kanye West, who had started tweeting all of this kind of bizarre um, and uh, anti, uh, anti-Jewish comments. Um, he's back. Andrew Tate, Mr. Toxic Masculinity. He's back. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, if we thought that Twitter was at risk of becoming a brand unsafe place, then boy, who would be a brand manager who would want their message anywhere near any of those people? Which suggests to me that Musk has just given up on the advertising model and he's going to go all in at driving it towards more of
1: a subscription future. And there's an interesting piece from Bloomberg this morning on the importance of Apple and Google to Twitter's future. Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah, so there's there's a really good newsletter that Mark Gurman writes for um bloomberg which we, we we it comes out each week about this time and it focuses really on what's going on at apple but he makes the point that twitter's survival as a subscription service is absolutely going to depend on apple and google because they act as the gatekeepers for the app itself so there's a couple of different issues there one is They might just decide that actually it's a toxic app that they don't want in their app stores anymore. They've been known to do that in the past. So they've got that issue. But then the other potential battleground is... Apple takes a thirty percent cut when people first subscribe for services. Um, Google takes a fifteen percent cut. So there's a big chunk of money coming out of anything that goes into Twitter. But more to the point, you could see Musk trying to get around it and getting people to subscribe away from the platform, and that's created all sorts of battlegrounds in the past. You know, that was what saw Fortnite removed from from the App Store for um, for for quite a long time over that battle. So. Uh, that's the next future battleground, I think.
1: Next, are there really 12 million newspaper readers? Unmade. The new newspaper readership figures are out this morning, Tim. What are they saying?
0: Yeah, so this has come from Roy Morgan Research. Um, they provide the the data, and this is this is an attempt to look at both how many people might be reading printed newspapers, but also the output, the digital output of those, the, those newspapers as well. And it's it's worth being clear what we're or stressing what we're talking here is the measure of readership versus the measure of circulation, because of course it's not that hard to work out. How many copies of a paper has been sold, although that's not audited independently anymore. Um, But it's harder to work out readership because, you know, how many people have, you know, read a newspaper that sat in a cafe all day, for instance? So the way that Roy Morgan attempts to do that is to uh, do it. By, by survey, by asking a sample of people whether they've 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 read papers. So let me share some of the numbers. Um, so we'll start with the press release from Think News Brands, which is the industry body that uh, promotes news readership. Um, their summary of the key information is that in print, twelve point five million people reading a print product over the last four weeks in digital 19.6 million which I think Australia's population is about 26 million isn't it and you know a lot of them are quite young still so that's a pretty impressive number and then the total across digital and print of these news mastheads 20.6 million um now Every newspaper finds its own way of telling this story. So the press release from the financial review, the Australian Financial Review, has yet again recorded yearly growth and now has cross-platform readership of 3.7 million people. On to The Age. The Age has maintained its lead as Victoria's most read masthead with a cross-platform readership of 5.8 million. On to the Sydney Morning Herald. The Sydney Morning Herald remains Australia's most read news brand with a cross-platform readership of 8.4 million readers. So as you can see, everybody's a winner. Everyone's a winner. Everyone gets a car. Everyone gets a car. And then on we go to the Australian. The Australian reaches more than double the number of weekday readers than the Australian Financial Review and boasts more than four times as many weekend readers as its main rival, according to research company Roy Morgan. So everybody picks the
1: data that, uh, that they like. So you've, you've been a part of the Roy Morgan sample group in the past. How is all this calculated? Give us a bit of a peek behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, I had that experience quite recently. Actually, I was um, just happened to be back in um, uh, my—I think actually—I was in my hotel room in in Sydney after an event when the phone went, and it was a Roy Morgan researcher um, asking if I'd be willing to ask answer a few questions. And they run the single source um, survey where they they ask a sample of people a huge amount of questions, but you know, it's everything from political affiliations to readership patterns. So I, you know, I did kind of mention right at the start, look, you know, I'm happy to spend the time because I thought it'd be interesting, but you should just know I am a journalist and I write about this just in case they felt that would skew the sample in some way, but they were happy to go ahead. Um, and, you know, it's a long old process. I reckon I was on the phone for more than an hour, but the thing that really fascinated me and I guess gave me a sense of how the sausage is is made was when it comes to the readership questions because I thought okay I'm gonna you know I know the answer to this I think but I'm gonna just clarify as I'm asked the question so when I was asked you know which of these newspapers have you have you seen or read in the last four weeks I thought okay I'm just gonna really really clarify it so I kind of said okay um, I do remember being in the supermarket the other day and just picking up the Australian Financial Review briefly Does that count? And it was like, yes. So that, you know, we've always known that's one of the issues why readership is so high. Because if you're asked, have you seen a newspaper somewhere at some point in the last four weeks? It's actually a really hard question to answer, isn't it? Unless you're a subscriber. You know, if you think think back about, you know, your experiences in cafes in Sydney, you know, as someone said in the last four weeks, have you seen the sydney morning herald
1: you know on your trip you might say yes yes i was in a sydney cafe as it happens uh, last week and did see the herald but that's always interested me that even a glance of the paper is seen as almost an impression and to me that i'm not sure if that's an accurate representation of actual readership look
0: i think the challenge is uh, i'm not sure when those numbers are shared with your typical marketer or media agency person they really think about the meaningful of readers meaningfulness of readership so uh, that that's my question look it's better to have the data than not
1: but like all data i guess you have to treat it with caution that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think about everything we've just discussed and you can contact us, letters, at unmade.media. Today's podcast was produced with the enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. Don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade and independent journalism, you can become a paying member. Did I get that right, Tim? Go to unmade.media to find out how. You always get it right, Abe. And if you like what we do, please give us a rating on the podcatcher of your choice. It helps other people find us. Tim will be back tomorrow with more for our subscribers to the unmade.media email and tomorrow you'll be digging deeper into those Roy Morgan numbers. Toodlepap. Unmade.
0: Podcast edit by Abe's
1: Audio.